This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to Range. I'm Amy Westervelt. And I'm Julia Ritchie. We're back! Yes, we're Woo! here. <laughs> we're actually in the same room together. I know, uh, it's so we, exciting. We thought we might give you guys a little bit of an update on why we've been on such a long hiatus and what we're working on because we're still reporting and we're still living in the West. So I guess I'll start. I, back in October, I got a great uh, opportunity to hop stations from Reno Public Radio to Salt Lake at the station here called KUER. They wanted me to cover state government, which is something I'd wanted to do for a while. So good time to do it. It was a good time to do it. I'd been covered. I I love living in Reno, and I really wanted to stay in the West, particularly in the Great Basin, which this is actually still the same geographic region. So that was a plus. Same sort of like vibe as Reno, just kind of like people doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, with a lot more Mormons. So Mm -hmm. that's been interesting. Sometimes their own thing is being married to lots of people. Yeah, I've met polygamists. (laughs) That's something new. We should talk about that later. Um, Yeah, so that's what I've been doing for the past couple months is sort of trying to get to know my new new town. And of course, that meant leaving Amy behind. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, now we're kind of like deciding like what what we want to do with range and um, how we can keep the show going, but also like maybe scale back Julia's involvement a little bit because I'm mm-hmm. so busy right now. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Being a political reporter right now is a little bit crazy. <laughs> right. And yeah, uh, we should also talk about the huge elephant in the room. <clears throat> Trump. <laughs> <laughs> he who shall not be named. Um, yeah. I mean, that kind of threw me for a loop too, because so much changed so fast after uh, Trump was elected. And I think a lot of journalists are still trying to figure out how to cover things in a way that kind of speaks to the political moment that we're in. Yeah. There's also just so like just from a very practical perspective, there's so much happening every single day that just like covering the fire hose of policy changes. <laughs> is like, wow. Yeah. So there's actually like plenty of fodder for range in a way, but there's yeah. also like not enough time to really parse it out. Like yeah. because Trump is affecting so many things, it's not it's no longer just like a what's happening in the West, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's true. So um, so one of the things that, that um, we have talked about doing moving forward is having more contributors from different parts of the West. Um, so for each episode, we'll have a different contributor from a different part of the West talking about something that's going on there. Um, and the cool thing about that is that I have actually been hearing from lots of West Coast reporters who have a story that they want to share with range. Like I got a random Twitter message from someone maybe like two weeks ago that's in San Diego. She's like, 
like, I have a bunch of great immigration stories happening right now. Are you guys interested? And I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, like, I'm not going to go down to the border anytime soon. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Nobody is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, so I could see uh, range going forward sort of. And this is obviously open to feedback. And, and uh, we really appreciate everyone who's tweeted at us and sent yeah. us messages. It's really nice. It makes me feel good. I know. <laughs> it's nice to hear that people are like, when are you guys coming back? <laughs> yeah. For, like, a little labor of love, you know, like, yeah, uh, it's been great. Uh, but so Sort of turning it into more of maybe like a monthly thing, right? Where we do a story a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it'll have just Amy on it. Sometimes it'll have another contributor. Yeah. If I f- have some free time, I'll hop back in. Yeah. Uh, but it won't be like this kind of, you know, yeah. uh, Laurel and Hardy show. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So you have, you're still in the Tahoe Truckee region and mm-hmm. so I thought you might want to tell people what you've been working on yeah and which might translate into some episodes soon yes um so one thing I've been working on is shoveling snow um it's been so like freaking such snowy. a crazy winter it's oh been my snowy god here too. yeah it's been nuts um so one of the things that happened um after the election, aside from Trump, uh, was that a lot of states, particularly in the West, legalized recreational marijuana. Um, Nevada. And Nevada, California, which are like the two states that I kind of straddle. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so a lot of states passed recreational laws. Um, and then at the same time, we had this federal government coming in that it is very, um, very much opposed to legalized marijuana. So I know a lot of the businesses are kind of like, great, what do we do? Um, a lot of these states had already legalized medical marijuana. Um, and there'd been a little bit of concern about federal backlash on that even. And now, um, And now they're kind of just really waiting to see what will happen with the federal government. Um, But one of the things that I find fascinating is the banking situation for these businesses. (laughs) So they're like all cash businesses. So that means that they have, I don't know, for the dispensaries, like really like heavy amounts of cash on hand. They all have to figure out where to put it. They all have to figure out like how to pay bills when they can't have bank accounts. Mm -hmm. this one lab that I went to in Nevada, um, you know, they had to like buy lab equipment with cash. <laughs> I was like, how did you even do that? They're like, well, like we had to do, you know, we had to like figure it out, you well, know, like watch this episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. And they said that actually they've also um, they've bought things that then the company wants them to send back because they're like, we don't want to be selling equipment to like. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system people that are in the drug business and and they're like all right well whatever like we have it now we're not sending it back (laughs) right but anyway so um so I've been working on that um and then I've been 
also talking to a lot of farmers about the impact that some of the immigration stuff has had on them. I think people forget that actually there's quite a bit of farming in California. Um, we actually produce like all the vegetables for the country. Yeah, it's like over <laughs> half, I think like 50% of all produce. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and the California farmers had actually been experiencing a real bad labor shortage for several years. So I don't, that's why like for me, the, the, um, the border wall thing was always such a mystery because like, I, you know, I grew up in California and I've been reporting on California for a long time. And what I've heard and seen is that there's been a major slowdown of immigration from Mexico and it's actually negatively impacted food companies in California. Right. And they are now facing this situation where there's an even tighter labor market and their harvest season has shrunk because of the weather. So California is like, yay for rain. But at the same time, that means that like what we used to do in January and February and now has to be condensed to March. And, you know, like so and and we have fewer people to do it. So it's like more work in less time with fewer people. And they're really, really struggling. And that kind of translates to the construction uh, labor shortage. Mm -hmm. So we've uh, done some both done some reporting on affordable housing issues out west and all over the country, really. And a lot of that goes back to having people uh, built who are building these kind of homes and these developments. They use a lot of undocumented um, labor for that. Uh, and that they too have been experiencing shortages. I think Marketplace has done a few reports on that. So uh, I don't be surprised if we get into that maybe at some point too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even documented labor. Like what I'm hearing is that um, people. There's a lot of situations where like maybe the person who's working for you has their papers, but they have a relative who doesn't, or they're just pissed off and like insulted and are like, screw you, we're going back to Mexico. (laughs) You know, like that's definitely happening too. Um, So there's there's a few different reasons that people are are losing their labor pool. And frankly, like there aren't a bunch of white guys showing up for those jobs. From the Rust Belt, right? Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So despite our our insistence of how cool the West is, they're they're apparently they don't want to migrate here to pick strawberries. (laughs) That would make a really good update to the Steinbeck thing, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Strawberries of wrath. Strawberries of wrath. (laughs) Grape jelly of wrath. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the other thing that we've been covering is just like the sort of ongoing protest movement. Um, Yeah, that's what's kept me really busy is every weekend in Salt Lake, it seems there's a protest. And it's not just a dinky little like you know, a couple people with signs, like it's like thousands of people or hundreds of people congregating. So at the beginning of uh, Utah's legislative session, uh, they saw the largest protest they'd ever seen at the Capitol. Wow. Something like 6,000 women held their own women's march just a few days after the national one in Washington and packed the Capitol for for all four floors of it. Wow. um, For, you know, just a, a rally about hey, state lawmakers, we're paying attention to you too, not just the national scene, but what's happening on the local level. Because um, as we know, in the last election, uh, Republicans have now a majority of state, of control of state governments, um, and not just the three branches of government, but yeah. uh, <laughs> state in, in states across the West too, we're seeing that uh, Nevada was like one of the only exceptions in that it flipped back to Democratic control in mm-hmm. the last election. So anyways, a lot of rallies going on. Um, there was one after the uh, Trump 
Trump's executive order banning refugees and other visa holders from seven Muslim-majority countries, people showed up at the airport in Salt Lake and did a huge protest. I got to talk to some really interesting folks there, including one airport em- employee who was a refugee from Iraq. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and he literally <laughs> he put his badge away when he saw people showing up so that he could clock out really quick and join them. So, I mean, oh, wow. that's, that's the cool. kind of sort of enthusiasm and um, activism that I think is surprising a lot of Republican lawmakers as mm-hmm. well as just like, I think, people, people. in general. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, We've never seen this, I think, in our, like, as long as I've been alive. Yeah. I know. I actually um, got, like, I didn't go to LAX for the protest. I went there for a flight and actually couldn't get on my flight because the protest had, like, all but shut down the airport. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up having to rent a car and drive back to Truckee. But I was like, I don't even care. I'm, like, glad that people are, you know, exercising their democratic rights or that like Soros is paying so many people <laughs> I don't know yeah whichever it is <laughs> paid protesters or organic grassroots movements yeah who can say who can say Paid protesters, Julia. How was the Chaffetz Town Hall? Right. So uh, that's kind of that was like the probably the most high-profile thing I've worked on in the last couple of weeks. Was so members of Utah's delegation. Obviously, everyone is on congressional recess this week, and uh, a lot of Republican lawmakers are not having town halls like they normally do. Um, and part of the reason is because there have been all these viral clips of people jeering their representatives. And the one Utah uh, member who did held a town hall uh, earlier this month on February 9th was Representative Jason Chaffetz, who a lot of people know is head of the House Oversight Committee, really powerful committee, kind of made his name investigating. Hillary's emails, Benghazi, um, sort of, I mean, he's a very uh, partisan figure. I think that's un- indisputable at this point. And he was just reelected in November with like 75% of the vote in, wow. in Congressional District 3, I think. So anyways, he, yeah, he showed up to, uh, he actually, he actually did change his location for his town hall when it was clear that a lot of people were going to show up and ask him questions. So he held it at a local high school and like more than a thousand people showed up and there were like a thousand people that couldn't get in that just stood outside chanting the whole time. And yeah, so I'll, I'll play a little clip here actually so you can hear what it was like. Hold on, I'm not done with my answer. I've got more to this gentleman's question, okay? I do believe in my heart of hearts that given the choice that was before us, by far, Donald Trump was the better choice. By far. You know, Chavis actually got a lot of goodwill for doing the town hall in mm-hmm. that, like, a lot of... He long... stood there and took it. He, he was, did, he, he was did. A big boy. Yeah, and... Uh, but then afterwards, he immediately made some comments to a local news station that they were at, pay outside... Uh, agitators. Outside agitators. Yeah. Uh, to his credit, the Cottonwood Police Department did say there were like a few people from other states there. So that is his sort of 
proof. <laughs> right. Yeah. But even that, you're like, did you know, no one was checking IDs at the door or anything like that. And yeah. it's like the more attention you give this story, the less pressure is on him to um, investigate Trump's business conflicts and uh, other issues that have arisen in, in just the first month of his presidency that a lot of people would like to see Chaffetz sort of pay more attention to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that sort of leads us to another big issue that's happening right now, which is what the Trump presidency will mean for public land, which yeah, is such a huge... This is a big deal for the West. It is a big deal. Um, so throughout the campaign, Trump didn't really say anything about public land, except that he didn't really advocate for transferring uh, federal lands to state control. That was mm. a question that he did receive at one point, And he said, no, they should stay federal. Which is interesting, because I feel like Jeb Bush made this like his big thing <laughs> yeah. during his campaign. You was covered like, an event with Jeb Bush yeah, when he wanted to move the... He wanted to transfer power to the states. And that, that was actually like the big selling point on him for a lot of the libertarian right. voters, was that like... You know, he was behind that idea. Yet somehow this 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 election has emboldened uh, the movement, the American Lands Council and some other groups have really um, almost they've been empowered by the election, even though the selection of Representative Ryan Zinke from Montana, he hasn't been confirmed yet, but that it's Trump's selection for the Department of Interior has not advocated for state uh, control. He, during his confirmation hearing, he said he would come to Utah and a few other states and listen to some of the concerns that people were having, um, particularly because at the end of the year, President Obama designated this area called Bears Ears in southern Utah as a national monument. The fallout from that has continued in Utah in that um, the legislature just passed a resolution encouraging Trump and his administration to overturn the monument, as well as dismantle the Antiquities Act, which was created uh, by by Theodore Roosevelt, uh, which started our whole park system, which I think we talked about in, a few, in one of our early episodes of season two. Yeah. So I don't think the public lands issue is going away. It's yeah. just a matter of like, does Trump seem interested in this issue at all? Not at all. I don't see it happening. <laughs> but no. uh, he's never been in in like oil, gas, or mining himself, which I think makes it even less likely that he'll be interested. Like he seems to only be interested in, in like golf courses. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like things that affect real estate development basically. Right. Uh, and, and again, I, I think whoever ends up running the department of interior will set the tone for mm-hmm. what they are and aren't willing to do. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that this season too. We also have some episodes coming up that are, um, are ones that we've been working on for ages, which, um, we just like kind of had had logged and then just ran out of time to produce. Yeah. So one of those is on um, the history of uh, neon signs. Yeah, in... I met a guy who's a collector, sort of like along the lines of the showgirls costume episode we did. I wanted to um, talk about this guy's. Basically, he just like goes around and collects old neon signs around Reno. And but also the state of Nevada, uh, which has a you know long history of using neon to get people to pull over and spend money and gamble. So yeah. I wanted to do that one, and I I I, I just need to make myself do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was mostly a pep talk episode. We we're like trying to encourage <laughs> ourselves to work harder Come and not on, stop do being it. so lazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I had um, been working on a, a manufacturing episode. I went and, and t- uh, visited this factory in Oakland where a lot of like um, smaller clothing lines are made. And it was really interesting because they were like um, they were super secretive about 
the factory and like where it was like I'm not allowed to say exactly where it is and like they were I don't know just like they like checked with me like multiple times like during the hour or so that I was there that I was for sure not going to reveal like anything about this place because apparently it's really hard to find good textile factories in the U.S. and then once so once you find one you like don't want anyone else to know about it and I don't know it was really interesting it was interesting to see it and to hear just about like that whole industry and how it works in the U.S. because I feel like we hear a lot about like made in the USA and like what does that really mean what does it mean for like uh, a western business to try to actually like source and make things here right um so yeah I'm actually starting a business yes my friend Philip we're going to my friend and ex Philip you might remember him from an earlier episode <laughs> from the weed episode yeah we're it's complicated um but yeah so he's gonna start a bakery here in Salt Lake called Bread Riot Bakehouse shameless yeah. plug um and it's gonna be focused on on finding and sourcing local grain in northern Utah as well as across the west so um I hope to do a little bit of like not maybe not hard reporting but at least like discussing like how you promote local grain economies and yeah and how that relates to growing food in the west we did that tahoe food hub story yeah which is like people want to grow their own food out here but they're really harsh conditions um i like bread i love bread (laughs) i love bread me and oprah So anyway, that's what we've got going on for now and, and kind of coming up over the next few months. We hope you guys will stick with us. We appreciate you like, you know, being patient with us. Yes. And, and don't get freaked if one of us is not on an episode. We're still very much like co-founders of this this yes. effort. And so I want it I want it to keep going with or without my contributions. But, you know, knowing that like people are actually out in the West and working and yeah. Yeah. And there's so much going on here. I just, I feel like every day I'm like, ooh, that would be a good range episode. Or or like I'll meet someone who has a crazy story or I don't know. I got an email from some random guy that like lives in a cabin in Arizona and was like, I occasionally do interviews if you're interested. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, stick with us outlaws and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. This episode of Range was produced by me, Amy Westervelt. And me, Julia Ritchie. This season, we received support from the Nevada Humanities Council. Special thanks to David Whited, who does all of our original music. And if you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Our partner is High Country News, a magazine focused on Western issues. Check them out at hcn.org. And if you have an idea for a show or want to tell us how much you get paid to protest, shoot us a note at howdyatrangepodcast.org. For more updates and to see the cool illustrations for each episode by artist James Guthman, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So at the polygamist rally I attended a few weeks ago, because they're trying to pass this like stricter bigamy, anti-bigamy bill, my favorite sign was this little kid who looked like Opie from, uh, from what is that, Andy, the Griffith, Andy Griffith Show? Andy, yeah. <laughs> also known as Matlock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love Matlock. Anyways, yeah. they, uh, they had this sign that said, I hurt all my moms. <laughs>
Oh, which I was like, that would make a really good soap opera. <laughs> I heard a reality all TV my moms. show. Yeah. All my moms. 